Hello, and welcome to episode 26 of Craft, Cook, Read, Repeat, a conversation about crafting food and books. I'm Monica. And I'm Courtney. Today is Thursday, October 17th, 2019. Big thank you to all of our listeners, both old and new. We hope this podcast is something you will continue to put on repeat. How are you today, Courtney? Great. I'm glad to hear Everything's just great. <laughs> okay, then. Happy anniversary, or podiversary. I know. I feel like I should present you with flowers and chocolates or something. I was going to make a Boston cream pie, but then I didn't. <laughs> but I did have those pie. cookies for you. That's true. That was a delicious cookie. Uh, will we be hearing more about that later? Yes. Excellent. All right. We have lots of things to talk about, which seems to be coming a thing, which is good. Uh, so we'll have on the needles, on the easel, on the table, on the nightstand, and we will also have on reflection as we reflect on our first year of podcasting, which is just craziness. It's gone fast. It has. But then when I scrolled through our website, mm-hmm. we did a lot. <laughs> it's been a busy year. Yeah, very. All right. So on the needles, I have four finished objects. No way. Which is not quite as exciting as it sounds, or impressive, I guess, because they are all baby hats. I'm impressed. But it was pretty It's fun. only been two weeks. That's true, but they only take about two hours, so. They only take you about two hours. Fair enough. Um, and actually, that's not entirely true. I still need to make the pom-poms for the Christmas hats, which are in the Desert Vista Dye Works DK Mint Cocoa Quilt, which is that lovely red and mint green and various shades of brown. Um, so those still need the pom-poms. But I don't have to mail those out until, I don't know, late November. So I have time. They're basically done, though. Absolutely. Uh, but I needed to get those off the needles because I needed to make two other baby hats for little babies. Simon texted me. He's at a conference this week and said, oh, can you make a hat? One of my coworkers is having a baby. <laughs> I said, uh, okay. So I needed the needles for that. And... Had a, a more or less free afternoon and just decided, all right, I'm going to make a hat. So I went downstairs, found some leftover yarn from a hat that I had made myself a couple of years. It's uh, Yarn Love, Amy March, which I think is a DK, might be worsted. The colorway is called Dark Kale, but it's actually mostly pink. And I've never really understood. That's because the veining in kale mm. is that pop of pink. Okay, interesting. And, and so there's... it really stands out against the deep, deep green. Yeah, yeah. It does have a lot of, I think of it as a dark gray in there, but I guess it could be green. I haven't looked at it Yeah. in a while. And it, as I said, it only took me a couple hours to, to knit the hat. So, And I did the one where you do an I-cord off the top and tie oh, it I in love that. So it I looks love like that a little one. umbilical cord, and that was really cute. And then one of my soccer mom friends is going to be a grandmother soon. So I wanted to make a hat for her coming granddaughter and so I found Desert Vista Dye Works DK Ketchup Can which is the one that I made my Alaska cowl in and that's Fun. the yellow and the red and the mint green and white so very gender neutral although she knows she's having a girl but I really like it it's a cute happy color and I had exactly enough because I measured the previous one that I had made and that was 30 grams and I had I think 31 grams left of this so I said perfect and I'll use it all up yeah. And it'll be great. I did the same hat another two hours. Done. Isn't that so satisfying to satisfying. use every inch of... Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I ended up having, I don't know, two or three yards left, and I was a little cranky. 
<laughs> like, what am I going to do with this? Probably just throw it out, but it feels feels like something needs to be done with it because it's such beautiful yarn. There was Maybe a, I could tie the package with it or something. Oh, that's a good idea. There was a like an odds and ends scarf that I saw a long time ago where, oh, yeah, yeah. where, you know, when people come to visit you, you can just hand them the needles and then they just keep oh, adding on to a scarf. And then when it gets to the length you want, you just start again. And it's a great way to use up your remnants. And then it lets other people come and sit and like, I could show you my wonky knitting technique. It's not if wonky. You... It's personal. Fine. You're an amazing knitter. <laughs> My Galapagos tortoise paste knitting. There you go. If you had a basket in your house, you know, and it would be it would be totally quirky, but you would know which section is Courtney's. <laughs> and That's then you true. could teach people on it too, or do That's your true. do your swatches on it. That could be fun. Mm-hmm. Let me think about that. Test out a new stitch on it. Yeah. That's an idea. Yeah, that would be good. There's probably enough in there to do just a, just a little bit. All right, I'll have to think about that. Okay, report back. But that was fun. So those hats are blocking on balloons. I had to shrink down the balloons because they're very tiny hats, those newborn baby hats. You very tiny how, heads, oh, yeah. I know, but you forget. You couldn't use like a grapefruit or something? Well, then I would have to have a grapefruit. Oh, I see. And I don't. I did have balloons. Okay. So, uh, and then I also, I made some good progress on my descent cardigan. I finished the body and I think I have four rows left on the first sleeve. I still have to do the second sleeve and then the sticking and then um, button bands and whatnot. So I'm getting there, but I made progress because I binge watched the CB strike TV show. Oh yes. Yes. Based on the Cormoran strike novels. I did my little subscribe to Cinemax for a week and get my free free viewing, so I had to watch it. So every night I'm in there, and, and you know, it's all just stocking it at this point. So it was really good, and I made a lot of progress. I like the people they've chosen to represent those characters. Yes. They, this, Him particularly. I thought they were both really good. They did. You've actually watched it? Or I've you just watched saw the, the yeah. first the first season, I guess. But I didn't yeah. have to subscribe to Showtime. It was it was free somewhere. Oh. Actually, maybe I did on Amazon. I can't remember. It moves so fast, though. I mean, they're big honking books. And they did books two and three. Each only had two episodes. So two hours. They left Are a you lot dissatisfied? Of well, they left a lot of stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> and I felt like Matthew was not such a jerk, which kind of annoyed me. She looked a little bit bad in her behavior towards her husband. Boyfriend. I agree. He did some jerky things at the end, but not as jerky as he does in the book. That's so, the truth. So that I had He's some a despicable for. character. He is, but he wasn't in the show. That's why you can't watch anything. You <laughs> just I have know. to read, read, read. I know, apparently. <laughs> so, Descent Cardigan, Coming Along, Pattern by Andrea Rangel, Magpie Fibers Domestic Worsted in Velvet Underground is the lovely purple that I have mostly been working with, and the color work is done in Spin Cycle Yarns Dream State in Verbe Volante. And then I started some socks because I finished all these baby hats. Still doing the high school open houses. So I needed something else to work on. Yarns of Richard DeVries Pepino, which is a fingering weight, as you might expect, since they're socks. The colorway is Peppermint Bark, B-A-R-Q-U-E. 
<laughs> it sounds like a boat, but I guess it could be candy as well. And it's reds and greens and whites. Very Christmassy. Are these and, for you? Yes. Great. Very excited. I don't necessarily, I'm not, you know, a super Christmassy color wearing thing, but it was really pretty yarn. And it's variegated, so it's mostly white, I would say. There's a lot of white, and then the red and the green. Parts of it are the really bright and intense colors, and then kind of blends into the more muted. Yeah, so it's really pretty. And then the pattern I'm using is Rye Light by Tin Can Knits, which is mostly basic, but I think it has a garter stitch panel up the front, so I just have to remember to switch my knitting every once in a while. Nice. I think I can handle so that'll those will be fun. We'll see how long those take. I have a few more <laughs> high school tour events to go to, so should make some good progress on that. I think I worked on my shawl a little bit, but not very much, so have not been getting very far on that. But then I went on a field trip. Where'd you go? I went to Lambtown finally. Up north. In Dixon, yes, which is I'm... not all the way to Sacramento, but up yeah. that direction. There's almost. a great fruit barn there. So I've been trying to go to this for years. It's a little sheep and wool festival. Plus they sell yarn and they have classes. There's sheep shearing demonstrations. There's sheepdog trials going on. So much more of a actual working working fair than say Stitches West, which is just yarn show. But it's the first weekend in October, I think usually it was this year. I usually have 50 bajillion kid things it's usually hardly strictly bluegrass here in the city which is a big outdoor concert it's often blue angels so this year on sunday i looked at my calendar and i actually had nothing scheduled for any any of my none of my people had things so i was like all right i'm going so it was great so i drove up and i got there right around opening time um, and went to see the sheepdog trials and the sheep shearing which was pretty cool And then I wandered around the yarn shopping. For me personally, I was good in that. Well, no, because I feel like you go to these things and you want to support the vendors. So me going and saying, oh, I was really good. I didn't buy anything is sort of contradictory. But I was a little more thoughtful than I normally am. (laughs) Instead of just like, oh, this is pretty. I'll take this. Um, I actually kind of went through all the booths first, checked things out, thought about what I wanted to buy. There were vendors that I really liked, but I know they'll be at Stitches, and I've seen them before, so I didn't feel like I necessarily needed to to buy right then, even though it was beautiful yarn. So I looked at everything, and then I went and got lunch, a delicious lamb sandwich. Oh, my gosh. All lamb, all the time. Let's use the whole animal. Yes, it was, you know, the full circle of life there, all the uses of a sheep. And then I went back in and did some shopping, and I kind of went with... Vendors that I didn't know, smaller vendors. There was one from Mendocino and one from Napa, I think. And I forgot to write down who they were. They'll be in the show notes. And kind of natural wools where they weren't dyed. So that, you know, nice, natural, sheepy looking. They both ended up being gray. I think I got one that was a skein and it was really cute. They had a, the label told you about the sheep that it came from. So I thought that was really fun. And then the other one, um, I think I got five skeins of a, really light I think it's a really light fingering because it was about 250 yards in a two ounce skein so a normal skein would be four ounces so that would be like 500 yards which is pretty pretty substantial so I have I've been thinking about sweaters for that 
And then after I did my shopping, it was time for my introduction to weaving class, which was super fun. Um, that was with Kira of Kira K Designs, who was also vending, and she had some fabulous patterns and things. That was a really good class. It was really interesting. I think part of it being such a kind of working festival was that a lot of the people there were not knitters. There were a couple knitters. There were more spinners. There was a woman who does Viking reenactments. So she was trying to learn more about traditional weaving techniques. There was a woman who was just there supporting her sister who owns a sheep farm and didn't actually knit, but wanted to learn more about what her customers were into. And so it was really interesting. The weaving was cool. My friend Sally mentioned this too. And she said that they had a, a sheep to shawl contest. Yes. Did you see any of that? I did. There were about four or five groups and they, I think it was all day Sunday, I think. And they give them a fleece and they have to process it and then spin it. And then they were weaving the yarn into a shawl. So it's about one sheep's worth of wool in one shawl? I don't actually know. What's the, what's the equivalency know. here? <laughs> I don't know, actually. That is not... Well, let me think about this. So there's a podcaster that I listen to, Kino Knits, and she bought a fleece with a friend at Rhinebeck a few years ago. And they were... No, no. They each bought a fleece. They were sister fleeces because they couldn't find one big enough. And they were each going to process it and spin it and make sweaters for themselves. So I guess maybe one sheep is a sweater's worth. So That's you fabulous. Might, might not need, but I am I do not know. And if you do know, you can let us know maybe in the Instagram. Sure, notice. sure. Because I'm just guessing. But yeah, I mean, they were weaving. The, they were pretty wide, maybe like two foot across shawls. So like a wrap kind of thing. So there was a lot of work. And di- I guess dyeing them as well, possibly. Anyway, it was cool. So it was um, like spinning guilds. Lambtown. Yeah, it was fun. So I'm glad I went. It was not as hot as I thought it was going to be. There was a nice breeze going along because Central Valley, October can be brutal. Mm -hmm. But it was nice. Yeah, my weaving class was super fun. Then we got a little kit to do. um, Do you have a little loom now? It's a very little tiny loom. I don't know exactly how big a piece you could do. It's just kind of for making a little wall hanging. But it was cool. I want to look, I want to look at maybe doing a class at Stitches if I have time. I would know. be down for that. Cool. Ways to use up more yarn. Right. I still have tons of roving, too, which oh, which right. is great to use in weaving. Yeah, so I'll need to look into that, and then we can, we can talk. Because it was fun. There's another one called Fiber Shed that just happened um, a couple weeks ago, and that is not just oh. the processing wool but also plant dyeing and sustainable all the sustainable side of of sheep farming and and knitting and cool is that around here i think so i will dig up the link oh there's a wool symposium on november 16th in point race oh yeah we will have to look into that it's the eighth annual fiber shed symposium um and you had a little knitting um i have no knitting i'm just paralyzed with fear I thought they were all the same skein it I have a like a darker pocket happening Mm -hmm. on the collar and I think it's really noticeable and I'm afraid to take it out into the light of day and now I'm paralyzed however you said just knit the darn thing I think you should knit it 
and then see how you feel about it. And possibly you just need to embrace the beauty of hand-dyed yarns and that there will be variations. Okay. And maybe as you go around, it'll look less different, or maybe it will all be totally different, and then it'll just look like a design feature. Okay. But, I mean, it's a collar, right? So you knit it, and then mm-hmm. and then you can rip it out again if you really, really hate it. I can, except I don't have any of the other yarn to... Well, I think it'll be fine. Okay. I do have a sewing update, though. All right. I made the Gemma tank, which is a mm-hmm. pattern from Made by Ray. Now, I'm like a secret, I want to make my own clothing person. Apparently not with cardigans. Well, it's kind of a crazy endeavor. I borrowed a friend's serger. Okay. Because I put on this really cute, it's called the Linden sweatshirt, and I made it about a year ago, maybe even a little more. But I, my machine, I have a great singer, but it doesn't serge the edges, you know, that stretchy knit stitch and so the edges inside of it are it's jersey it's not going to fray but it feels a little unfinished and so I thought I'm going to borrow her serger and see if I need a serger in my life it's kind of an investment they're maybe three or four hundred dollars to get like a home use one I thought and I'll finish the edges inside of this sweatshirt that I really like and then maybe play around with it and see if I need one in my life. So I have a little time to play with this serger and see how it feels. And in the meantime, I am trying to ease myself back into sewing garments. Uh, Garment sewing is kind of tricky because like knitting, you need to know your measurements and how they fit up with certain pattern makers and how to get around your own body characteristics. I need to do, for sewing, a full bust adjustment on everything. Mm-hmm. Because my arm, what's that word, arm ski? The armhole opening is a much smaller size than my bust needs. So everything that I make yeah. is just swimming on me unless I either use a knit fabric or go down a size or two and do the full bust adjustment which is like advanced calculus trigonometry (laughs) people. It is so, I wish I were better at it. And that is why I'm taking the time to be more proficient. So I made this tank, which is a really simple, um, like A-line tank, and it's for a woven fabric, which means a cotton, but not jersey, not stretchy. And I figured if I start there and sort of, narrow down where I land in in those measurements it'll it'll make it easier to go to a lot of other patterns because it's so simple and so I finally figured that out and I made it I made the tank in like a woven fabric a light herringbone and I did a really pretty interfacing along the neckline that only I can see that's what I love about sewing are the little details that only you know about. And I use the serger to do the edges so the edges are nice and clean. And then the only step I have left is to hem it. It's way too long on me now that I've gotten the fit right. Mm-hmm. And so now I need to just hem it and and then I can wear it. Cool. And it fits great. So I'm very happy with that. The the adjustments worked and Oh good. So, so do you need a serger? 
I think I do. I'm going to try to use this one for a couple weeks and do the uh, finish up some of the projects that are malingering, mm-hmm. like my gray wool, my green wool pants, and I have another pair of trousers. So I'm going to use, I set the two machines up side by side, and wow, that makes a huge difference because then it's just zip, 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 and then get it over here and yeah. do that, and wow. So the process is a lot better, but it's kind of an investment to take on another machine. And I really feel like I need to be committed to, to making garments on a more regular basis than like twice a year, like I am right now. Right. But it's something you've been wanting to do. So yeah, it's been. And there, are there combo machines or serger is just absolutely its own or to work well, it's its own. I could use the zigzag stitch on my sewing machine to to finish off the edges on my garments or i could do hong kong seams which that's when you encase the edge of your fabric and then press it flat and open so you see the piping on the inside which i'm definitely going to do for this adorable brocade jacket that i have on the back burner that i don't need a serger for at all but I love to wear jerseys and stretch knit, partly because of all of the adjustments that I have to make for clothing anyway. And so it's more comfortable for my shape. And I want to be able to do that on a machine that does it more professionally. Right. And my machine can do it, but it puckers a little bit. And I just think I'll get a better quality garment. All right. That's where I'm at. With good tools with are important. That's a long needle section. It is. All right. On the easel. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's <laughs> still you. <laughs> so I am working away on my chapbook. I had a great burst of progress, and I was so happy with that. And then I had several days of family stuff, and I had to step away from the art room a little bit, and I wasn't in there as much. When I came back into the art room and sat down, it was like I had to remember how to paint all over again. So I spent a day painting butterflies, just painting butterflies, like kind of a comfort zone thing. I think what's good about an exercise like that is that the butterflies are really organic and you can play with different brushes and it doesn't really matter. It sort of all looks like a butterfly And it lets you play with different color schemes and different papers. And I was just sort of butterflying away. Although I did learn that a friend of ours, her daughter, is afraid of butterflies. So, okay. Sorry about that, Anne-Marie. Then at the end of this extensive day of just playing and relearning, then I landed on a new character. And it was really cool. So I felt like I can't let five, four or five days go, even if there's big things happening, I should still be sketching because it's mm-hmm. or or just plan that it's going to take me a couple of hours to get back into it. Yeah. So, you know, things were happening and I couldn't. So I just needed to remember that to get to the level that I needed it to be, I, I had to do the work to get there. Okay. It's kind of like, I don't know exercise or yeah yeah you gotta stretch the daily practice is creative muscles really critical for me i think so i'm working on the chat book and i'm throwing a baby shower this weekend 
and I'm sewing and busy, that, busy. That's what's going on. Nice. All right, on the table. Yeah, we've been pretty busy too. So my cooking has been simple as possible. I would say we have finished one soccer season, so we only have one soccer season, <laughs> two sailing seasons, high school touring season, and other random things that come up, PTA board, all that good stuff. So I've been really working my way through the Jamie Oliver Five Ingredients Cookbook, and I am liking it. It's, I mean, the five ingredients thing has been done before, but I feel like he is using some interesting combinations, so I'm still really enjoying that. There was a harissa squash salad, so you roast off the butternut squash, I think, which is, you know, a great fall recipe, but you mix it with uh, harissa paste. You can get it get it at Trader Joe's, so it adds a little heat. And then he mixes it with avocado and greens. I think I used arugula and then uh, some mozzarella. So, Yum. yeah, so it's all delicious, a little, little different, you know, nothing super, super crazy, but a couple of, of new flavors. We had a Brussels sprouts recipe that you mix with pomegranate seeds, red wine vinegar probably, and then you serve it on cottage cheese, which for some reason I bought ricotta instead. So it wasn't quite, <laughs> quite the same. I did just a little bit of ricotta because we needed that the protein in there for Simon. So that was pretty good. You know, it's just a little different way of doing Brussels sprouts. Not my usual bacon because I can't really do that anymore. My bacon consumption has really slowed down like that was all I talked about when we started remember yes yes and it's really slowed down although I think we're having I'm making a frittata tomorrow night it's also from that recipe and it calls for bacon in it I was like oh well I'll just make it and serve it to the children on the side because it's bacon so that'll be fun oh I did a ginger beef the other night um yeah delicious bok choy and oh, what was the sauce it was the ginger fried the beef like you cut the beef the fat off the beef and then fried that up first to like get the melting. oh my gosh that was delicious um <laughs> it wasn't soy sauce tamari no it wasn't even tamari i think it was red wine vinegar oh. and honey oh and miso nice. miso that was what it is you Put the beef in some miso paste. And I love then, miso paste. So good. So, yeah. So it wasn't super saucy. There was a little bit from the water and the red wine vinegar and the honey, but it wasn't super saucy, but just totally flavorful. That was really good. And that was super fast. It was basically a stir fry. It was a stir fry. Great. Um, so that was really good. So I've been enjoying that. And then polenta baked beans. You make polenta, you throw in some fresh corn, or I think I used frozen corn because that was what I had. And then heat up some baked beans and, you know, put that on top. Is it a soft polenta or the Yeah, well, like yeah. Cake? So the recipe, which I got through the Wimpy Vegetarian newsletter, is actually from Naturally Ella, her blog. She has you make the polenta, which is pretty easy anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought I had, <laughs> this is my week of not checking my cupboard before I went shopping. I thought I had polenta in the pantry, did not, but I did have a block of polenta, so I used that with a lot of milk and some butter. So it ended up being soft. And the frozen corn (laughs) and a can of baked beans. So it was super easy. I probably could have used more of everything Mm. with my people. It was not quite enough for us. And we had, I think, a salad as well. But that was good. So very, very fast, simple things that I can make quickly when I get home. Perfect. Yeah, so it's good. How about you? Similarly busy. A lot of roasted chicken. 
and then chicken stew, <laughs> you know, to yeah. chase it. Um, but I did make, you know, my family loves chicken marsala. Mm-hmm. And so I did this season's chicken marsala, um, which was a lighter version that I found from Skinny Taste, which I've really been appreciating her cookbook and her website as a way to just little tricks to lighten things up a little bit. The boys had lots of gnocchi on theirs, which leadened it back down again, but that's cool. Whatever. They're athletes. That's right. They need the calories. Yeah. So that was a a little bit different. I think that next time I I will reduce the marsala longer to intensify the flavor. Mm -hmm. I don't think that changes the caloric anything of it to know to do that so that was the the only novel recipe i think from the from the past week outside of the baking that i've been doing for this baby shower i made the salted peanut butter cookies from smitten kitchen and you are right they are awesome did you use what peanut butter did you use laura's okay yeah delicious yeah it was just fine and i we I never buy Skippy or yeah. Jif. I don't even think of it, so I'm glad that this works. And I think I would try it with almond butter at some point too. Mm, yeah. yeah. Because I, I love almonds personally. Yeah. But and I think it would be good with chunky. I think that would work. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Have those little little chunks of peanuts in it. My you could even do mini chocolate chips. Well, my kids were like, oh, you, you could have smushed a peanut butter cup on top of this. Or yes. I, think I do have a recipe for that. I need to borrow that because they were crazy for it. Yeah. I love this recipe because it's gluten-free, just inherently. Yeah. And then I needed to, you know, the recipe says, oh, it'll make 24 cookies or whatever. And I guess I'm heavy-handed with my cookie sizes. So it made fewer and I could have, I could have underbaked them a little bit. The first batch was sort of overbaked, still gone. But the second half batch or whatever I had left, I went lighter, and they were much better. Just on the whole, not as roasted <laughs> as the other ones were. I turned my oven down a little bit too, because the first batch was so overcooked, basically. And, and they're so simple. I think. It's all pantry. I think five ingredients. Yeah. Jamie Oliver stamp of approval. Apparently. So those were great. And I love the sea salt on them. It's, yes. It's so pretty. Yeah. I also attempted a gluten-free pumpkin snickerdoodle. I mean, I thought it was delicious. I, I gave one to Monica to taste test because I am unaccustomed to cooking, to baking with gluten-free flour. And I used... A Bob's Red Mill one-to-one baking flour, which has a little bit of xanthan gum in it, which I understand is needed. I don't know. It, it stabilizes. This recipe has great flavor. It's it's full of spices. Mm-hmm. I mixed up the pumpkin spices, and it could use maybe a tad more. I wish it had more pumpkin in it. It only has a quarter cup of pumpkin for that whole shebang. I think if you've got all the spices, people are going to think it tastes pumpkin-y anyway. It's like the pumpkin spice latte. You're I was right. going to it say, I th- it's more a spice than it is pumpkin. I definitely thought it tasted pumpkin-y. Yeah. And then they, they get rolled in cinnamon sugar before baking. The texture was really tender. I felt like they're going to break 
they feel kind of fragile is maybe the best description of them. However, everybody likes them. They tasted pretty good. They didn't break when you brought them over here. No, I wrapped them in tin foil. I know, but they still, they didn't, they did not fall apart. Right. We'll see. I think I will make one of them for the baby, the gluten-free baby shower, and then maybe the Ricciarelli's because I love them so much. And that's almond flour, so they're inherently gluten-free also. And then I haven't made it yet, but I am very eager to make the Allison Roman chicken that the New York Times keeps raving about. I haven't seen this. Okay. So Allison Roman is one of the food chefs for the New York Times. Her recipes are featured all the time. Okay. So much so, and they all look great, that I've ordered both of her cookbooks from the (laughs) library. She has a sheet pan chicken that, because it was Pulitzer Prize week last week, they were joking around, or maybe half joking, said should win a Pulitzer Prize because it was such awesome chicken. And I think it's a... Like a vinegar vinegar glazed chicken, mm. just sheet pan in the oven, delectable. I haven't made it yet. It is at the top of my list, and I will report back as soon as I do. But give it a look. The Sam Sifton newsletter that comes out maybe once a week from the New York Times always has great articles about what you should be cooking this week, what's... I don't know. I need to get that. Yeah. It's a great newsletter, and it's chock full of recipes, and it's... He's funny, so I like to read that. Always some good inspiration, great recipes, a variety, and quite seasonal. So that's what's cooking. Awesome. You need to try. Kelly made this roast chicken. From? Salt, heat. Yes. Yes, and I had some of it. It it is amazing. Okay. So you should put that on your to-do list. Because we're a chicken household. Well, that's what I I'm saying. That, but and it's delicious. Are. I would totally make it, but is it gluten full? Oh, you're it's right. Chicken full. <laughs> <laughs> that's my other issue. Which is not to say that I won't, because seventy-five percent of us would eat it. But you know, chicken. <laughs> it is. I. Yes. You're you're right. It is an animal. It's chicken full. <laughs> yep. All right. But yes, but you should definitely try it because it was amazing. Okay. And she has made it since and it was apparently equally amazing the second time. I did go and look for that recipe, but that's a great reminder. We'll do. Okay. On the nightstand, I actually got through quite a few books. Um, So Tidelands by Philippa Gregory. I more or less made it through that one. That was, um, that's her latest book. The English Civil War, mid 1600s, poor woman, Catholic priest, romance blah 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 apparently it is a series if you look it up in goodreads it's you know whatever book one so there's going to be more of these things i don't know philippa (laughs) i'm not happy with you right now anyway i got through it done with that moving on the next one i read is rother weird by andrew caldicott which i've been trying to read for a year or so it came out in england and it took forever for the library to realize they needed to get it so that I could read it. <laughs> and book two is already out in England. I think it's coming out here next year. Do our English listeners need to send you a copy? <laughs> Maybe. No, it's fine. I can wait. Okay. I'm still in library books. Swimming? Swimming, yes. Yeah. Drowning. Okay, so this one takes place in England nowadays. And it's this little town that 
something weird happened in the time of Queen Elizabeth I, so late 1500s, and they were more or less cut off. So they don't have a member of parliament. They, they are self-governing within the country. People don't really visit there. It's hard to get to. They're only allowed to learn history after 1800, and they can't ever talk about their own history. You, know, you can't keep family photos. Anyway, so it's very weird. Strange things are happening. This guy shows up. New people come in. Weird things happen. It was pretty awesome. <laughs> it's hard. I, I can't think how to describe it. So like, they hire a new history teacher for the school. Everyone there is really smart. This mysterious stranger comes in. Town secrets are revealed. There's kind of magic. There's a... Can you think of a correlative author? Is this like Alice Hoffman? You know, sort of mystical realism? Kind of, but more more heavy on the mystical. So more like Jonathan Strange, Mr. Norrell. Okay, kind okay. of. Yeah, but yeah that's a little your darker. Thing. That's, yeah, definitely darker. Um, and, and the series, which I'm actually excited about. Part two, it'll be interesting to see how they do it. It could definitely be a standalone, I think. But the characters are quirky, and there's some really funny parts. Because um, they've been cut off, they have all their own little traditions and weird ways of dressing and it's just really you said strange things are happening yeah which just alights my imagination <laughs> and it makes me want to go home and paint and i don't know i <laughs> okay i can't i really want to read this book now oh good yeah it's funny and oh they have a really cute the cover is really cute it's like a hand-drawn map of the town oh my gosh i'm That's working fun. on a hand-drawn map then you need to read this book. Strange things are happening. Very strange. <laughs> I finished listening to Lethal Wife by Robert Galbraith. Excellent. Four. Now I have to wait for the next one, whenever that's going to be. Um, just give her a minute. She's really fast. Oh, really? J.K. Rowling? Yeah. Yeah. Because someone was complaining about... Uh, oh, I think she's movie. been so fast. Okay. I mean, it felt fast to me because I just got to blow through all of them. But it, I mean, this one came out last year. Where's Where's book five? doesn't even have a title yet all right so we'll have to wait but like this one there were ups there were downs um, I do think listening is kind of the way to go although then you don't know how the names or the words are spelled some of the names and I think that kind of especially this one with the whole the the dead guy yeah his name is a thing but yeah it's really it is so much all about the, those two characters and their relationship it's kind of like the Jackson Brody mysteries where it's they're fine mysteries but it's really about the characters, I think. So, so we'll continue waiting on book five. I had a little breather, read some romance, Princess in Theory by Alyssa Cole. Delightful, a little steamy. Um, our heroine is a public health graduate student uh, in New York City. Her parents died in a car accident when she was four, so she grew up in the foster system. She starts getting these emails from someone who says uh, they are the representative of an African prince and she is a long lost princess and please send copies of her identification so that they can confirm that she is in fact the princess and whisk her off to the country. So she's like, yeah, sure. Nigerian, you know, prince scam. Yeah. Obviously not. Except that since it's a romance novel, it is actually true. So the prince flies out to meet her, mistaken identity. She thinks he's a waiter and they get to know each other. And he's like, ooh, she's treating me like a real person. So we all can see where this is going. And then, you know, drama, shenanigans, and a wonderful happy ending. So it was lovely. 
Well, I'm glad you got a break from the the gritty crime of downtown London. That's just it's just so nice. And there and she's such a smart person and <laughs> I I'm just really getting back into romances. Okay. They're really good. Strong women. It's delightful. Department of Speculation by Erica Swire, who I think she wrote the time travel one in Florida with the astronaut. This one was similar style but different. I think I read that one. Did you? I think so. I'm looking at the cover. Um, Drowning Mermaids? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So a librarian lives um, Long Island and his family's house. He comes from a line of circus performers. Um, His mom died when he was two. And he gets sent uh, an old book that his grandmother is mentioned in. His grandmother's name is in it. So he starts researching his family and realizes that all the women going back generations have all drowned on the same day. And his sister is coming home for a visit, um, so he's a little worried. So he's lots of things going on in his life. Hold on. That's a different one. That's the one I've read. Oh, that one's good, too. That's so weird. There's a couple Department of Speculations. Okay. That one's very different. The Jenny Awful one. But now I'm confusing your Department of Speculation with an Alice Hoffman book about mermaids on Long Island. (laughs) Okay. Apparently it's a theme. That's not it, though. So he's worried about his sister, family history... Things are happening. There's also a parallel story of circus performers in early 1800s in America. So there's a lot of stuff going on. Mm. But it was cool. I like that one. It's not what I was thinking. No. I'm confusing four different books, I think, (laughs) right now. But that's okay. So there were that many drowning mermaids. Well, it is an occupational hazard of a mermaid. Well, no. (laughs) That's kind of the problem. They shouldn't be. They're mermaids. I mean, do fish drown? No. How do you know? I don't think they do. That's Onward. the whole thing. Onward. Anyway, currently reading Watermark by Vanitha Sankaran, which is, oh, France. Different country in the 1300s. Our heroine is an albino mute. Um, her family loves her, but, you know, the Inquisition is moving in. Her father makes paper, which is apparently dicey, which I didn't know. Why is it dicey Fiction? to make paper? I need to know this. So the rich people are still using parchment. Paper is kind of a new trade and associated with bringing knowledge to the masses, which they don't need that. I see. Underground religions using the cheaper source of writing materials kind of thing. So I'm not terribly far into it. It's moving pretty quickly. Interesting history part of it. I'm enjoying it. Excellent. That's a good stack of books. Yeah. I'm getting through. Lethal White was a was an audiobook, so that was that was good. Yeah. I need to find a new audiobook now that I've run out of Robert Galbraith. Oh, you well, made some subjects, suggestions, yeah. so I've got to go back. One of my favorites those. was an audiobook too. Oh, and cool. I loved the one that I was talking about last time. That's probably what I'm gonna pick up. The Witch's Daughter. Yeah. Although I was thinking about maybe the Tana Tanya French. That was good on audio too. The Witch's Daughter was the Paula Braxton, and that one was captivating. It was good. Cool. So this week, I have a very short book list. I read A Single Thread by Tracy Chevalier. She wrote The Girl with the Pearl Earring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This book is fantastic. Oh. It takes place in the pocket of time between World War One and World War Two, And obviously, we know what's coming. Her characters do not. And there's that tenuous, you know, they've lost so much from World War I. There is a whole group of surplus women 
that's what they're called. They've all lost, in for many of them, the ability to build a family because so many men were lost. But it's also losing, in some ways, their independence that they had gained during the war because so many of them went to work and did what needed doing and were mechanic, auto mechanics and factory workers and they had a real sense of purpose. And then when the men came back and they were all fired from their jobs, but yet weren't able to find a husband and therefore what were their options? You know, it it's a really well done encapsulation of what it was like to be a woman during that that window of time. Woven into it is a story of cathedral embroiderers, women who would embroider the kneelers in the cathedrals, and then the stories of the men who would ring the bells, and very interesting and relevant to what's going on, too, in, in history. This book was very well done, and I highly recommend it. It was well-written, very researched, grounded in historical context. And like I said, they don't know that they're about to get slammed with another war and your heart is just breaking for them throughout because they've all lost so much already. And where does that one take place? In England. Then I grabbed Maggie Brown and Others, which is a short story collection by Peter Orner who was my advisor at San Francisco State in my when I was doing my MFA. This is, geez, I don't even know if this is his seventh or eighth book. He writes brilliant short stories. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a former student. His work is like finding these gems. They're really good. His characters totally come to life and they are flawed and wonderful and quirky and human and I know that a lot of people don't go in for uh, short stories but his often are loosely connected and they unspool in just illuminating ways so give Peter Orner a try he's written a lot of other things including the second coming of Mavela Chicago which is probably 12 years old at this, maybe even older at this point. And that takes place in, I think, Nigeria. He also has another short story collection called Esther Stories, and that one is really excellent. But the thing that I read most recently that I totally recommend is his other nonfiction book, Am I Alone Here? Notes on Living to Read and Reading to Live. And it's somewhat memoir somewhat like what you should be reading he's a prolific and deep reader and he recommends all kinds of great books and authors and uh, so I love that collection too and then reading a book called joyful the surprising power of ordinary things to create extraordinary happiness the author is Ingrid Fettel Lee and she was a designer at IDEO. IDEO is the firm who designed the original iPod, like the oh. Apple iPod. They do an incredible amount of industrial design. Great, thoughtful, innovative, interesting company. And many of their people go on to do 
super interesting things and great TED Talks, and these are smart cookies. This book is totally different in that she's approaching joy from kind of a prescriptive, fun, fun prescriptive way. Paying attention to what brings you joy, how to infuse your life with more of it, being purposeful about seeking out those recipes or colors or um, people or music so that you can be more joyful. And her argument is that a more joyful person is more productive, more creative, you have better relationships, you know, across the board. There's a there's a real reason for, for wanting that in your life. And it's a totally fun book. There's a little workbook in the back that's I haven't worked through, but... I'm kind of tempted to. I love that sort of thing. And I think as somebody who, as I'm trying to go to that make your own clothes place, Mm -hmm. it brings me joy to do that, to find that, you know, pop of fabric on the inside lining of a shirt and know that I put it there and have taken the time to craft something. That brings me joy. So little things like that. I mean, obviously, painting is my greatest source of joy and remembering why, the remembering why we do things, Mm -hmm. why you knit, you know, why it brings you joy. So it's a really fun book. Well, that's kind of a good lead into our on reflection section. Oh, rhyming. (laughs) Does that bring you joy? (laughs) It does bring me joy. (laughs) The podcast brings me joy. It's been a year. I know. It brings me joy, too. It's kind of exciting. So we thought we'd sort of look back at all of our our sections and maybe pick out one or two favorite things we've done. I like numbers, so I went and counted things. So I'm glad you did. I couldn't believe how much we'd covered. It was a lot. I know. I'm so excited to do a year one recap. Yes. So knitting, I did 25 projects, five sweaters, seven hats, two pairs of socks, which that surprised me. I would have thought it would be more. I used to be such a sock knitter that yeah. I only had two pairs. It was kind of weird. Five shawls, four cowls, and two baby sweaters. Oh my gosh. So that's pretty good. I'm pretty excited about the sweaters. Like I, I really kind of I feel become a sweater knitter. It's not necessarily the thing I always do, but I feel pretty comfortable comfortable about knitting them. And I have ones that I really like to wear and more than one. So, yeah. so it's fun. Um, but I think my favorite project was probably the Alaska cowls that I did for my mom and my sister and myself for our trip. I mean, they were super simple, but thematic, and it was fun to, to wear them all together on our trip. Yeah. And so then every time I wear that one, I'll think about our trip and my people. And so I like that one. And my sweaters, I really liked. Some of my sweaters were pretty satisfying from a, a skill-growing standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. Well... I'm glad you counted because I didn't count anything, but my favorite of your projects were the cuffs. I thought it was the Lionheart sweater, but it was the skull and bone sweater. I went back digging and remember it had that super clever bind bind off. The Lionheart one did have the cool turn hem thing too. Did it? Yeah. But no, I know. Yeah. That one had the... Yeah. Plus, the skull and bones is so my colors. That's true. I think that helped. The but I, I'm also cheering you on for this Descent Cardi, <sighs> and I can't wait for you to cut down the middle oh, of it. I'm getting more nervous about it, but I have to finish the knitting first. 
So I'm just focusing on that. Do you want to talk about your, your painting oh, yes. first? And then I'll... My painting, I have no, no idea how many paintings that I did between a year ago and now. Bajillion. Um, I would say maybe 200. Definitely. Well, I did the 100 Probably Day more, Project. Probably more because you did the 100 Day Project. Yeah. And I think what I loved about the 100 Day Project was the two surprise outlier colors that I didn't think I cared about, orange and purple, ended up being my favorite segments of that whole spectrum. And that surprised me. And I like to be surprised by my my own self. <laughs> my favorite thing that I painted for the episodes, you know, I paint something for each episode release and we try to make it relevant. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the one painting that I loved was the, the Jeju Tangerines when we were talking um... about the the Lisa C book mm -hmm. the and Island of the Sea Women Island of the Sea Women yeah. yeah and that was back in June I painted the tangerines cuz I had talked about it from that snack box from yep. yeah so I love that painting it should be on a birthday card or something I don't sure know. I liked your chapbook oh it was thanks. so many awesome parts of you going in there and and that was really special thank um, you yeah looking forward to this year's this year as well hopefully i'll get one of course um and then i have to say i also really like that you made your own underwear <laughs> and i know you said they weren't the best but i just thought that was it's such a cool thing thank you <laughs> they're the most uncomfortable not that i've seen you modeling them but no the yeah. fabric choice was slightly off, but I have all of this other fabric. Yeah. And frankly, the serger was definitely needed for that project, there and I didn't go. have it then. So maybe I should make one more pair of underwear before I give that serger back. Probably. I just think it's such, like, I mean, part of making your own clothes in however you do it is that you can take your personal body shape into account. Yeah. And especially for something so... Personal. First intimate. Yes. yes. Anyway, <laughs> enough about the underwear. Food on the table. I made 105, well, I talked about 105 <laughs> recipes on the show. So probably you were about the same. We normally had about yeah. three or four things that we talked about. And that's one. new, new. Yeah, some of them were, the most... yeah, some of them were repeats. High five us. Well done. Because I don't talk about when I make spaghetti and meatballs every single time or no. roasted chicken or what have you. Yeah. And I did catch myself, oh, I need to, we're recording this week. I need to like make a new recipe, which my family has totally benefited and loves. Yes. So what were your favorite recipes? Kind of everything from Smitten Kitchen every day. That was Yay. my new cookbook, Love. Yeah. Um, so that was really fun. Although the Jamie Oliver's kind of given her a run for the money, but I'm still, I find myself going to the website and I get her email now on Mondays and she always has so many recipes in there. Um, so I keep going back through those. So that's been really good. That's kind of become one of my go-tos lately. And then your turkey chimichangas. <laughs> Actually, that was one of the things I made this week. And I was like, this is one of the recipes I have probably made the most in this year because you can make it up ahead of time. My kids will eat it. I can bake it off and leave it for them or they can just stick it in the oven. Yeah, it's super handy and fast and delicious and then I can make extras and throw them in a lunchbox the next day and yeah my children are equally happy with that good I'm glad 
I had forgotten about that amazing herbed quinoa salad. My my quinoa turning point. Yes. That I I got the recipe from Cookie and Kate way back in January. And I had searched it out because we had been someplace that served something similar. And it's time to resurrect that. And I had forgotten how much I loved it. So I want to bring that back. My two winning recipes were desserts, at my house at least. The mini key lime pies that I made Mm. back in June, I think. Man, those were good. And the the Riccarelli cookies. Yeah, those are really good. And that was because we had gone to Siena, and they had them in Siena, and everybody liked them. And it's fun to bring your vacation home with you. Yeah. Ricciarelli versus the salted peanut butter. That's two different animals right there. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> As I was saying that, I was like, that's not a fair question. They're just two. You need one of each, thank you. Yes. Yeah. That makes sense. All right, books. I read 87 books in the past year. I think I'm probably... Goodreads helps with that. Yeah. <laughs> the counting. I didn't have to do all the counting. I am at maybe 55 right now from for this year. For the calendar year? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a little under my usual pace. Yep. I'm, well, no, I'm, I'm, I said to somebody. You are feeling joyful about the number of books you have read. Right. I said to somebody the other day, we need to, you know, if we're going to have lunch, we need to do it in the next week or so, because once comes the holidays, I'm a pro at the holidays and I find ways to make myself crazy busy. So I think the the audiobooks helped me. I don't know that it helped me consume more books, but it definitely made a book a little bit more accessible during the day. I listened to right. a book while I was washing windows yesterday. Yeah. You know, I love that that's something that's come out of the podcast cuz I don't know that I would have done that if you hadn't taught me how to use <laughs> the app. I do like that app. Yeah, I've been using that. All right. So my favorite book for the year, I went with The River by Peter Heller. Wow. So I would I feel pretty good about my choice. I really did love that book. I and what I did is I went and I looked at my Goodreads. Okay. And how many my five-star books. 2018, I had one five-star book. I am a harsh reviewer, people. Because <laughs> like if you look at it, five stars is I forget what they call it, but it's like this is amazing. Three stars is, this was good. And I feel like that way about most books. Four stars is going to be, I really enjoyed it, but maybe it's not fantastic literature, right? Or something. There's yeah. got to be, if yeah. it's five stars for me, it's got to be all cylinders. Like everything is amazing about it. Um, so I think I had, I think I had four or five this year that were five stars so far. That one I just really like, I really liked it. I was looking forward to reading it. It stood up. It was a good plot. It was suspenseful. It was the language was amazing. So, it was a very fast read. It was a fast read. Impactful. Yeah, and I and I felt like a lot of different people would enjoy it. It wasn't mm-hmm. super genre kind of book. I would agree. My husband loved it. And then I also really liked the Cormine Strike ones. Yay! So I blasted through those. <laughs> I did like the last one. Sorry, sister. We were talking about it this weekend. She really, she loved the first three and had a hard time with the fourth, which I could see. It was definitely more. It's like sophomore year. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, we're in for 11 books, I think. 
is oh, what she has now? planned. Oh, okay. 10 or 11. So I feel like this we'll is the sophomore year. I think if you were, and I don't, I did not talk, I hadn't finished it, so we didn't have a full discussion about what exactly did disappoint her about it. It definitely felt more about the relationship and not the mystery. Yeah. So yeah. that could be, if you were just in it for a thriller, that's probably not your book. And then I also, it's sort of book adjacent, but I did really get into What Should I Read Next, the Anne Bobo Anne podcast, Bobo. which is why I have this library drowning problem, because I keep listening to her podcast and being like, oh, I need to read that. And then they all come up on my available list. Um, but also two other podcasts, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text and Hot and Bothered, which is from... I don't know Hot and Bothered. So it's from Vanessa Zoltan. She's one of the hosts oh. of Harry Potter. And the sacred text, and it is looking at writing romance novels as a sacred text. Um, and it's sort of a similar, wow. similar idea in that these sort of normal, not high-class books can teach you really important things. And so doing a deep dive into these and looking at these books as important and revealing of truths about the world has been... A really interesting way it's gotten, as you may have noticed, got me back into reading romances more. I've been rereading the Harry Potter series along with the, the podcast. And they just talk about so many so many things that are going on in the world. The romance one especially is very, she has issues with the patriarchy, which just a lot of a lot of serious issues that come come out in these these books. So the romance genre we could have a whole giant conversation about because I mean, there's whole podcasts about it. Yeah. <laughs> When, when I was in grad school, though, it was relegated to the, you know, a far yeah. corner. However, everyone knew that it was, if you could write a great romance, you would be published faster than anyone else in the room. It is one of the most successful markets for authors. It's the most successful. Yeah. Like, they make the most money. Yeah, and they sell in grocery stores and bookstores and online and everywhere. And I did hear, and I'll, we we should put a link to it. I think it was a at a This American Life mm-hmm. talking to a woman who writes African American romances. There was a giant gaping hole in that market, yeah. and she is working to to populate it with her awesome books and boy the interview with her is stellar so I'll yeah. try to find that cool yeah she talks a lot about that um, and I think it has changed a lot since whenever the 70s or yeah you know there's definitely all kinds of romances there's queer romance there's african-american there's there was the one I read about the girl with Asperger's you know there's there I think has become romance for everyone and they're strong characters they're yeah. in charge of their lives they're not waiting to be rescued or they rescue each other kind of thing you know it's and it's just really and then everybody's happy right they're all they know what they want and they fight for it and then they get it and why wouldn't you want to read about that good stuff monica yeah so how about you my favorite book was the overstory by richard powers oh, yeah that was really good about the trees because you know i'm a an amateur botanist <laughs> okay. i don't know i just love the diversity in nature and I love a book that brings together that it ignited something in me you know I just I went and bought field guides to trees I bought a used one so that I wasn't using a tree to buy a field guide (laughs) to trees 
But there was something about that book that was really magical for me. Mm-hmm. I love that the the natural history of trees in America was woven into the the story of the humans as well. Mm-hmm. It was it was a really moving book. It was not fast, and mm-hmm. it was it is for a particular audience. I mean, I don't think it ticks off the boxes like the river in some ways, but for me, and because I'm such an emotional person. It is still, I read it in January, I think, and it still sticks with me today. And as I'm working on my chat book, I'm thinking about oh, that yeah. overstory and the, the forests. My favorite audiobook was definitely that Dear Mrs. Bird by A.J. Pierce, okay. which is an awesome, fast audiobook that had a surprise. It was a surprising story. It took me by surprise. And I... I don't know if that sort of brought me back into the audiobook realm or what sealed the deal on it, but I can't wait for her next book. And I think that speaks, that says something. So thanks for counting up. That's fun. I like numbers. (laughs) I think it's part of my librarianness. Yes. Yeah. I feel like we need a pie chart. Oh, graphs. Yeah. Oh, and then of course... Probably one of the most favorite things was the bingo, which was great, which I'm still kicking myself that I didn't get the blackout. But anyway, (laughs) well, next year, next year. But we got these awesome thank you gift from our winner, which I don't know. I've never thought to if I ever won anything. I was like, oh, thanks. But she sent us little gifts. This is Julie. Yep. Um, What's her, her? Her Instagram handle is Jay Chant. Is that right? Get a chance on thing. Okay, so Julie is a photographer as well as a knitter, and she sent us a little selection of photo uh, note cards, and they are extraordinary. And she had a set for Monica and a set for me, and she said we could swap, but we are absolutely not swapping because I love mine and Monica loves hers, yes. and Monica says we should swap and then send them back to each other. <laughs> Because there are these beautiful note cards that I, I, I don't want we, to give them up. We don't want to use them. <laughs> Which is the problem with handmade things. But, Julie, we are just absolutely tickled pink with these beautiful cards. And we're so glad that so many of you played along with Bingo. And we will definitely do that again next yes, year. Yes, we should start thinking of, <laughs> of squares so that it's a little different. Absolutely. New and tricksy things. Okay, so yeah. So thanks for first year listening and hopefully enjoying Um, we'll continue for another year i'm here for it excellent (laughs) that's good that helps yeah so make sure to do something you love every day thanks everyone bye hello and welcome to episode 26 of craft cook read repeat a conversation about crafting food and books i'm monica and i'm courtney And today is Thursday, October 17th, 2019. Big thank you to all of our listeners, both old and new. We hope this podcast is something you will continue to be. Ah, so close. So close. (laughs) Okay, starting over. So close. Getting it all right. I know, I'm going to leave it. You went off the charts. It's awesome. Okay. Notes can be found at craftcookreadrepeat.podbean.com. You can find us on Instagram 
as Craft Cook Read Repeat, or Courtney SF, that's C-O-R-T-N-E-Y-S-F. On Ravelry, I'm Magdon, M-A-G-D-O-N. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at craftcookreadrepeat at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.